Hey there, this is Dr. Tim Stafford, and this is The Virtual Instructor. This is a podcast about all things digital environments, e-learning, um, visual, uh, virtual instruction, and, and everything else goes along with it, instructional design. And we just try to really try to catch a little bit of everything. And so I'm glad to be with you today. Today I want to do, um, I want to talk to you about a book that I, I just got done reading. And um, it really, I think it really can have an impact on you as a virtual instructor, uh, as a, uh, um, as a, as a instructional designer, it could have as an, as a subject matter expert, just whatever, whatever role you're filling in the, um, virtual universe, uh, when it comes to education, uh, I think this could really, uh, be helpful book to you. It's called the three word, the three word rebellion by, uh, Michelle Mazur, uh, she's a doctor, Dr. M- Dr. Mazur has created an incredible book. Uh, it says to create a one-kind, one-of-a-kind message that grows your business into a movement. Now, many of you are thinking to yourself, well, I mean, it's a business book, and so why should I read a business book? Well, first of all, one thing that I'd like to just share with you is that um, I think it's time that sometimes educators read business books. I mean, now many of you out there, maybe you have read some great business books in your life and they've made an impact on you. I mean, I can think of uh, a person who's made an impact on multiple industries uh, with his business books. That'd be John Maxwell. I mean, most people listening to this podcast um, would probably list uh, John Maxwell as, as one of their, uh, you know, one of the people that influenced their life and their, their careers the way that they look at leadership, all sorts of things. Well, those are business books. They're written for people who are leaders, people who are business leaders. Uh, 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 Dr. Maxwell has traveled all over the world, uh, speaking at all different kinds of Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 200 companies. Uh, he's spoken at uh, you know NFL football teams, sports events. Uh, he's also spoken at religious events. And I mean, he has literally captured the hearts uh, and the minds of an incredibly cross-cultural, cross-industrial um, audience, and so what makes me, what why that makes me think that reading these kinds of books is important is because sometimes um, in an industry we need to think a little different. We need to think a little bit differently, and sometimes reading a book outside of the things that we always read is helpful. Sometimes getting a message outside of the other messages that are pretty, are pretty common in our world, um, that's an important skill. And I think uh, as scholars, you know, sometimes we can, our tendency can be to be very um, connected to a particular set of messages. And I think sometimes if we're really going to do something um, that's going to be long-lasting, sustainable, um, you know, sometimes I think we have to be disruptive a little bit. I think we have to disrupt, disrupt ourselves. Now, I think the thing is, is that most people that I've, I've, you know, that I would consider to be disruptive, um, you know, some of them are, are obvious, uh, you know, the Elon Musk's of the world, the, uh, the Steve Jobs's of the world, but there are others that have been incredibly disruptive for another reason. I mean, they like mother Teresa, um, Hal Donaldson, who started um, the great movement called um, um, Convoy of Hope. Um, you know, I mean, there are some people that have that have done some amazing things. I can think of people industrially um, in, in the education industry, like David Merrill uh, and um, Max Cropper, who we've had on our our program here. Um, 
who have really been disruptive in the way that they've approached the learning process and how to design coursework for the learning process. It's, it's, it's a fairly disruptive model. And so it doesn't mean that it has to be revolutionary. It doesn't mean that it has to cause um, all kinds of problems. It doesn't mean it has to kill people. It just means that we're going to think about things in a little bit different way. And I think as educators, a lot of times, as instructors, as instructional designers, we can get very locked into a certain way of doing things. And I think sometimes we need something to come and disrupt us. And so this is one of those books that I think if you read it, uh, it's called The Three-Word the Three Word Rebellion, Create a One-of-A-Kind Message That Grows Your Business into a Movement by Dr. Michelle A. Mazur. Uh, I'll put the uh, link in the show notes so you'll be able to, um, you'll be able to click to it. I bought my copy uh, for $7.99 on my Kindle. And I read it in about four hours. I couldn't put it down. I just, I was so intrigued by the ideas that were in it. And it really made me think about some of the things that I'm doing. And it really made me think about the courses that I'm designing. And so let me ask you this question. And I'm just going to kind of give you the, the bird's eye view of it today. And um, I've actually reached out, reached out. I have actually reached out. Man, I'm having trouble today. Reached out to Dr. Mazur. And I'd like to have her on the show. So we'll see if she comes on. But, and we can talk more about this. But here's the thing. What three to five word phrase would be, could you use to, first of all, describe a course that you're designing right now or a course that you're teaching right now? What's the three to five word phrase that you want your students to take away from at the end of this? Now, I can hear what you're saying. I know you've got learning objectives, you've got module learning objectives, all that. I know. We, I know. We, we're, this is super complicated for us, and I get it, and I do that, and I teach how to do that, and I teach all those alignments. But I'm just asking you to step away from all that right now and think about a course that you're teaching right now, maybe a course you just taught, maybe you're not teaching right now, but you're, you've taught. Maybe it's a course you're designing. What's the three to five word phrase that you want your students to walk away with that it's what they accomplished. It's a completely a measurable thing. It's what, what is it that you want them to walk away saying, yeah, I got it. I got this. So for me, I did, I went through this exercise myself, just thinking about how this could apply to, um, to a virtual instructor, this book. Um, I think that this book can apply to you, by the way, just I want to take a little minute here and just say as an aside, if you're trying to market yourself as an expert, um, if you're trying to market your coursework, if you're trying to uh, market your resources in some way, you know, this book you need to read because it really helps you to understand that your message is going to be extremely important and how you get that message out there and how you launch that message is really important. But having said that, and, and really the book would be very uh, appropriate and very valuable to anyone who's trying to market themselves as an expert in any field. But having said that, I just want to think about a course. So if I'm teaching a course, so for instance, I'm teaching a course right now in digital literacy um, and digital citizenship. Uh, and it's a, it's an integration course. And so what are, what's the, what's the three or four five word phrase that I could tell my students when you're finished with this course, here's a phrase that I'm hoping will 
describe accurately what we've accomplished. What three to five word phrase could, you know, could we use to describe what we're hoping to accomplish, what we're hoping to give you? So for me, I went through a kind of a, a and, and uh, Dr. Mazur on, in her book has a really great workbook that goes along with it. You can download it. So if it's on your Kindle, you can download the other one. I downloaded it and printed it out and I was just writing on it. You can, you know, some of you are more savvy than I am. So maybe you, you got, you know, your Apple pen and a pencil and you're working on it. I don't know. But anyway, I wrote myself a bunch of notes and, and some of the, some of the work I did that she asked us to do and some of it I didn't because um, I was just kind of moving along and I, I was on a roll and, but, um, but here's the thing. I, I started kind of going through this process of thinking to myself, okay, well, I'm talking about digital literacy. I'm talking about digital citizenship in this course. I'm talking about um, safety. I'm talking about implementation. I started making a, a kind of a, a list of all the words that are important as outcomes, right? And it's more than just students will be able to, um, you know, analyze and then produce communications that about digital literacy that that's, those are all good. I mean, that, you know, we all know how to write great learning objectives, but I'm talking about if I'm going to come, if I boil it down to the whole course in three to five words, maybe six, um, what's that going to be? So I started to go, well, okay. Cause what is digital literacy? Well, digital literacy is the ability to aggregate, uh, to, to aggregate and analyze and then communicate back data using digital or, or, or information using a digital environment. I mean, so, you know, that, that's the basics of, of digital literacy. Now, of course we go into, you know, but what really matters about, digital literacy is our ability to use digital resources and environments to do the same types of things that we do in physical, educational, and work and other learning environments. So how, so that's, you know, so we could define literacy, you know, one way or another. So we, we talked about that. So then we, you know, there's a lot of things that we talk about about that. Digital citizenship is understanding and building communities that understand and teach and then practice what's good etiquette online, what, what, what's good citizenship online. And um, in the show notes, I'm going to put a, a, a link that, uh, to, a, um, to an article I just wrote on Medium about, um, and it'll also be on my website. My new website will be up uh, here probably in another month or a month and a half. So I, I'll, I'll make it to that then. But for right now, it's on on, um, you know, it's on media, it's on medium right now. And I, I did basically a thing on, uh, you know, how some of the things we teach physically to children in the physical world, we can easily adapt to the, to the, uh, digital world. And so digital citizenship can look a lot like regular citizenship, you know, look, well, and, and my students uh, in the class that I'm teaching right now, they were really helpful in helping me come up with a list of things that could really translate. Like, you know, look both ways across, before crossing the street. You know, some of these things are a little bit harder to put into a digital sense, but at the same time, you need to be aware of, of the, the digital environment you're in. You need to be aware if it's secure or not. You need to understand, you know, um, you know don't talk to strangers. Obviously, that's an easy one to, to translate. So, so, you know, Digital citizenship, you know, what matters about digital citizenship is the idea that people are, are safe in 
in using digital spaces. People are safe in exploring things within a digital space. People are safe in interacting in digital spaces. And people are safe in making mistakes in digital spaces. So how do we do all that? So I, I started going through this process and I realized that the, the words, the, 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 the three word, what she calls the three word rebellion, which is really the three words that are going to describe or three to five words are going to describe what it is that I want to accomplish um, with my business in, in, the, in the case of her book. But it, with this course is that digital literacy and digital citizenship matter. That's what I came up with. Now, it's working and it can change. And I, I'm, you may, some of you may come up with something even better than, than that. But for right now, I'm working on digital literacy and digital citizenship matter. It matters. It's not just, it's not just something that we need to go, yeah, okay, well, as long as we you know, put a Band-Aid on it or, or throw something at it. It's, no, it matters. It it's matters more than that. That it really matters. And so... That's the phrase. Now, I just want to you understand how, how really freeing this is. Once I get that phrase in my mind, once I, I, I can deal with that phrase, then it makes everything else different. It makes how I'm going to communicate through announcements different. It's what kinds of things I'm going to put in the chat room uh, or, or in the discussion posts that I'm involved with, what I'm going to say to the students, how I'm going to ask them questions, uh, what I'm going to be looking for them to draw out of their papers. You know, I can, as, as they're starting these things, I can ask them that question, what makes it matter? So that when you walk away, you go, you know what? Digital literacy and digital citizenship really matters. And, and if I don't employ or Im implement some sort of infrastructure that will host, teach, and empower digital literacy and digital citizenship on an ongoing basis with my, with my staff, my students, my colleagues, whoever. If I'm, if I'm not a part of that, then what I'm doing is I'm saying it doesn't matter, and it does matter. And so I'm compelled. It's a compelling thing. And so that's, that's what it did for me. So what did it do for you? If you start to make that list in your mind, you can just do it right now. You're listening to this podcast. It does not have to be a gigantic work of academic, you know, uh, publishable reality. Just think to yourself, if you're teaching um, a poetry course or you're teaching a course on computer science or you're teaching a course on astronomy or you're teaching a course on um, digital literacy or you're teaching a course on um, leading a, a learning organization or school law or whatever, what is that three to five word message that you want your students to not only understand, hear, understand, but adopt as they exit. Because as uh, Dr. Mazur so brilliantly pointed out in her book, that if they, if they hear it and, they re and it resonates with them and they believe it, and then they and then they they take it on as their own. What happens then is that it starts a movement. The movement begins. The movement of people leaving my class, going back to their schools, and starting to implement something because it matters to them. 
It isn't because it matters to me. You know, it's not like, well, I want, I want to do this because I really like, you know, uh, Dr. Tim and I, and I, you know, I just want to do, I want to, I want him to be proud of me. No, it's, it's got to matter to them because if the movement's going to happen, I mean, I, I can't think of anybody who's on this, who's listening to this podcast right now that wouldn't say we want digital places in education to be safer and we want students to be more digitally literate and be able to function in a way that's going to set them up for the future of jobs that maybe we don't even know exist yet. And certainly for the jobs that do exist, they're going to have to be able to deal with big data and all these things. We, we could talk about it. Everybody would, everybody would agree. But how do we make it so that it's compelling? And so that's what my job as the facilitator of these courses, of the virtual instructor is, is to say, hey, this matters. And I want, I want you to really be thinking about how this works. Now, you know, I guess you could say, well, t Tim, you know, you could, you could do that with anything. I mean, you could say school law matters, or you could say, uh, I know, or you could say um, leading a learning organization matters, or you could say astronomy matters. But, but if you do that, right, I'm saying digital literacy and digital citizenship matter because I think to most people, it's not even seen. It's not even that it doesn't matter. It's that it's not even thought about. I mean, how many times have you gone to Facebook in the last week and people have told you that they're on vacation? Well, if anybody knows where you live, they know you're gone. You're not digitally being a very good citizen. I wouldn't, these are the same people that when they leave on vacation, they close all their blinds, they set up their lights to come on and off during the night and during the day, and they lock all their doors and they ask their, their neighbors to check on, check on the mail and, uh, and get packages from the door. Because that's what we do when we're citizens and we leave on vacation. But online, we'll say, we'll just tell everybody we're going to the, we're going to the Bahamas or up to Maine for the lobster and blueberry festivals, and we don't tell anybody. We're just gone, and everybody knows that we're now we're gone. And I'm just saying that I don't think it really matters. So for me to say, look, I want them to walk away with Digital literacy and digital citizenship matter. These are things that we not only just need to address and say that they exist, but they matter and they need to be implemented. And so everything that we're going to do in this course is going to help you understand what that implementation might look like, how to define it, how to understand it, and then how to work with it, implement it, evaluate it. That's what we should be doing in this course, and that's what we're trying to do. But, I, but I, I wrote the course with that in mind, but never actually worked it out. And I can tell you right now that I will never design another course or teach another course that I won't look through the syllabus, look through the, the, the learning activities, and ask myself, what's the three to five word phrase that could turn this learning from just being merely a bunch of assignments a, a method to get to the end of a degree program. It's a step along the bridge. How do I get it from that to this could create a movement of students that go back to their professional locations and do something different? See, to me, that's what makes me excited about getting up every day and teaching is that somehow this is going to move forward. And somehow what I do is going to make a difference 
for students that I'll never meet, for faculty members I'll never meet, for, um, you know, for schools that are struggling and, and somebody could grab something out of a course that I'm teaching and they could apply that somewhere and it could help. It could help bring hope to people. Listen, I don't have any, any reservations about telling you that that's the reason why I teach. I, I don't, it's certainly not for the money and it's not for the prestige of, of having a you know, doctor in front of my name because you know, after, after doctor comes my name and then there's a price tag that I have to pay. So just like the rest of you. So I, that's not the reason why we do it. The reason why we do it is because we're trying to impact the lives of students on an exponential level. You know, there's the old ancient phrase that says, if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a day. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, right? But I'm telling you that if you teach men to teach men to fish, you create a community of fishermen and, and an ecostructure and a financial structure, a trading community that could trade with other cultures. That's the role of, of a teacher, right? And then if you go one step further beyond that, which is the role of training teachers, now you're teaching a, you're teaching a man or a woman. I certainly don't want to exclude women here. Teaching a man or woman to teach a man or woman to teach a man or woman to fish. Now what you've done is you've created legacy work. You've created movement work. You have multiple people that are being trained to train multiple people and you are creating societies that can work and thrive. There's a, there's a it, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but when you look at the opposite of the word thrive, it's fail. The opposite of fail is not succeed. To succeed means just you just didn't you know, you just didn't blow it. But the actual opposite of, of fail is to thrive. And so if we're going to thrive, then we have to have you and I who are out there teaching people how to do things, teaching people to teach other people to do things. That's the real, that's the reality of the work of a university, but it's also the reality of the work of those of us who are at that level that we can really begin to teach people to teach people other things. So no matter what kind of teacher you are, and no matter what level of teaching that you're doing, it really doesn't matter. What are What is that movement starting phrase? Three to five words that would help define and, and inform everything that you're gonna do within the scope of that course. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to, uh, you know, leave me a, a phone, a, a message here on Anchor. You can go on Anchor and do that. Uh, you can leave a voice message and I'll get them. I have had people do that. It's been great. You can also email me at, at T Stafford, S-T-A-F-F-O-R-D at S-T-U dot E-D-U. And uh, I would love to hear from you. If you have ideas, maybe you want to share some of your, uh, some of your phrases with me. I'd love that. And uh, uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you more again next time, right here on the Virtual Instructor.